Welcome back to If Mice and Men Don't Exist, where our author, John Steinbeck, proves that mice are absolutely better than men. If you hate men, this is the podcast for you. I'm Carmina. I'm Anusha. And I'm Maddie. Today's chapters of focus are chapters three and four, in which we meet new characters and even more people to get emotionally attached to before we end up crying. And speaking of crying, our theme this week is loneliness and isolation, something everyone is just all too familiar with. As usual, we select a random quote to discuss and expand upon within the scope of our underlying theme of the week, analyzing specific contexts and tying the conversation back to real life applications. But, most importantly, we give you even more reasons to hate men, proven with evidence from the book, of course. Woo! But first, we have to do a 30-second summary contest of today's relevant chapters. If you're new to this men-hating podcast, we have this tradition where we do a 30-second summary contest of each chapter. Um, so me and Carmina are gonna duel it out today to the death. Woo! You ready? Yes. They're probably gonna okay. Be oh my God, Slight no. warning before we start. This part gets super fast, so listen close. <clears throat> All right. Timer starts in three, two. One. At the end of the workday, Slim and George return to the bunkhouse, and George saying Slim were Lenny's new puppy, and Slim suddenly asks how he's doing to be, and then George tells him everything, including the incident, and we were Lenny ripped a girl's dress, and I was accidentally accused of rape, and then Carlson comes in and complains about Candy's dog and offers his take out of his misery, and Slim convinces Candy to let him shoot it, and Carlson does it. Slim leaves the other men talking about Curly's wife, agreeing that she will make trouble for someone, and then Wit invites the men to a brawl, and then uh, the men leave momentarily. Curly starts a fight with Lenny while he's alone, but ends up with a broken arm, and George tells Lenny the fight was not his fault. Oh my Bam. God. Nice. All right, Anusha, it's your turn to do a 30-second summary of chapter Yay. four. Timer starting in three, two, one, go. The next evening, Crooks of Black Saberhand sits in his bunk alone, and he presumes the driver will have for company, but Crooks tells him to go away, saying that he, as a black man, is not allowed in the white quarters of vice versa. After nursing Lenny's nativity and innocence, Crooks hesitantly looks at him, and Lenny then immediately tells Crook about the dream farm, and Crooks starts talking about his lonely background on chicken farm. Kenny eventually joins him, entering Crooks' room for the first time in all the years they've worked together. They all have a bro moment and discuss their dreams about opening a farm together. Crooks is very doubtful that Crooks asked to join in. Suddenly, Curly's wife interrupts to ask for Curly Warren. She proceeds to belittle them and talk about her unhappy marriage until Crooks and Kenny her to go away. She then threatens Crook with lynching, which forces him to cower in fear. The white men leave, and Crooks finally changes his mind about living on the dream farm. Time. <gasps> oh, my oh <God>. nice. <laughs> Wow, that was really good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, now that we have done both of the summaries, we are going to jump straight into the thematic approach where we delve deeper into the theme. So, in these chapters, they both show very strong undertones of loneliness and isolation in almost every sense of the word. In chapter three, it explores how even when you're surrounded by people, you can still feel lonely and isolated from the group. Lenny is a really good example of this. He tends to be the odd one out with the farmers because of the way his mind works. Lenny has expressed before how he knows he doesn't fit in and how easily he gets lost in the world that they live in. Most of the time in chapter three, Lenny is in the background watching from the outside, which really alludes to his feelings of being lonely because no one really understands him except George, who doesn't understand him all the time either. Yeah, I agree, and um, the theme of loneliness and isolation is explored in more of a physical sense in chapter 4, uh, revolving around the character Crooks. Steinbeck, in my opinion, uses Crooks' room as a physical representation of his isolation and segregation from the others. Crooks is black, so he's separated from the others um, because of the color of his skin, and that has become his comfort zone. So when Lenny, a white man, comes and joins Crooks in his room, he breaks the wall of isolation. 
Crooks naturally becomes defensive and tries to push away this new experience, but the hearts of outsiders are drawn together for some reason in this story, and we see characters who have only just met bond over the feeling of being alone and different. Yeah, both of you mentioned very notable points, but I just want to add that being alone really does a number on a person, and both of these men who come from very different backgrounds show exactly that. Like every mind is different, they both express their feelings differently. Crooks shows his feeling through sort of this aggression, but also living in a seemingly consistent state of fear of getting a little too comfortable. Lenny shows it by just watching and sort of and sort of shutting down from what we've read. And when his mind really does catch up, then he interjects his thoughts, but his feelings kind of prevent him from trusting that he knows what is really happening. So, our themes are always perfectly exemplified by the quote that we select for the discussion, but before we go into full analysis mode, we have a certain structure that we need to follow for this analysis phase. Great. There are four phases into what is called Lectio Critica Analysis, and the first one is narrative. In this phase, we discuss what is literally happening in the quote. The second phase is allegory. In this, we um, look for any figurative language, being metaphors, similes, imagery. We discuss word choice, tone, um, deeper meaning, stuff like that. Third phase is contemplation, and we connect this quote, its meaning, or the situation to our own lives. And the last phase is invitation. Um, and in this phase, we ask ourselves, what action does this quote invite or inspire us to take? While my co-hosts are dying in the background for some unknown reason, <laughs> we will just jump into it. So today's quote of the week is, I ain't wanted in the bunkhouse and you ain't wanted in my room. In chapter four on page 68, spoken by our one and only Crooks. Now this brings us to our first stage, narrative. At this moment, Lenny sneaks into Crooks' stable bunk to see a puppy, but Crooks becomes angry and begs him to leave. He doesn't want a white man entering his Negro stable bunk, and this sort of resentment starts to arise in this situation. Okay, now that we've established the context, let's discuss this quote from a more allegorical standpoint. Um, so, what do you guys think? What? How does this relate in an, er an allegorical setting? I think Crooks is just so scared that people are going to be racist that they... He just wants to push them away before they have a chance to hurt him. It's just like um, a buildup of his past experiences that he's had with racism. I mean, it's like it's around the Great Depression era and around this time. Um, I think slavery was still legal in some places, so black people were treated the worst a person could possibly be treated. And this is just like his way of saying, don't come any closer because I fear that you're going to hurt me. And exactly. I yeah. Well, I think personally that there's a hint of anger and loneliness in Crooks' tone because he had been isolated from the rest of the farm for being in a sort of lower social class. And I think this isolation forces him to drive everyone out of his life, like as um, Carmina mentioned and as Maddie mentioned even before that. A Steinbeck really allows us to see through the minds of the disabled in this book. Um, at least every person on the farm has some sort of disability with crook it's his social standing with lenny it's his mental disability and with um candy it's his physical disability and his age um a lot of 
the harms and social issues are portrayed through these disabled characters. What do you guys think? Everyone is a little bit oppressed in this book when you really think about it because yeah. back then there mm -hmm. wasn't this acceptance that we have now of people with disabilities. They were seen as something less. They were seen as not human. Um, this has totally changed now. We have um, come a long way as a society, but back then if you had a disability, if you were black, if you had a mental condition, if you had something that did not make you like the their um, ideal picture of a, a worker or just a yeah, person yeah. in general, you were treated like dirt and that's just the harsh reality of that time period. Yeah, definitely. I think this farm is kind of like a safe haven for pe people that are disabled and have maybe shortcomings in life like missing a hand or just the color of your skin in general. I think it kind of proves to be some sort of safe haven for these kind of outcasts. This sort of um, disability and social standing and just disabilities in general is further explored in chapter three where um, we don't have a specific quote for it but it's the situation in which Candy's dog, his crippled dog, is being shot because they just want him to get out of his suffering and they tie suffering to the disability which is um, sort of exacerbating the stigma that around mental health in that time period which I think ties perfectly into our quote that we talked about today. In that same chapter Slim um, mentions that he would rather get shot than be crippled and this reveals so much about the time period that this story was written in and how the stigma of mental health and disability wasn't wasn't a huge like um, object of importance at the time and people just said things loosely and as they were. So establishing that stigma of mental health in that time, so how does this affect our lives now? I feel that when people are branded as an outcast because of something they can't control and are isolated from society, they tend to transform that loneliness into hostility, such as Crooks did when he said that he doesn't want Lenny to be in his room. Mm -hmm. And as a person of color, this kind of made me think about how like my own situation could be much worse if I was living in that time period. Um, I'm not black, I'm Mexican, but like I don't think it would be that bad, but at the same time, even today, we have such discrimination and hate that oppresses us in the same way that these people back mm -hmm. then were oppressed. Yeah, and seeing that we have such a diverse cast on this podcast, it really connects to each of our lives as we see it as a lens of through oppression and how we should take our rights now as granted. Yeah, I can definitely atone to that because my sister has disabilities and I think that we have definitely come such a long way and just not pushing those people out and actually giving them a place to be in a home. Exactly. I feel like we can transform this potential hostility into a sense of nurturing and loving peace um, because in the end we're all one human race and we don't want to push people out for something that they don't have control over. And I think that's very important for each person to understand. Speaking of controlling that anger, what do you think this quote kind of invites you or how does it inspire you to take action in the world today? 
Um, this just makes me realize that there is no place for discrimination anywhere and people will be the way they are. There are things that we don't have control over and we need to accept that. Yeah, I feel it's just important to not attack people for how they decide to live and not to brand them for their characteristics. Um, I don't feel like we should reject them as a society. It's They do more good than harm as we perceive them to. Yeah, they're just human. I mean, we're one big human family. Why exclude them because of something that, exactly. yeah, something so it could be major or minor about them. They're human too, you know? Yeah, and building on that, you never really know what someone is going through. So you just kind of have to be there for them and just really be nice and tell exactly. them that they I have a place. Help. Yeah. We can fight the stigma of mental health and disability, but we have to uh, tackle it in a way that we don't hurt others around us. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Now, after that deep moment, let's just end off on a good note. Yeah. All right, I would like to send a wish to my boy Lenny. He's gone through <laughs> so much. He He's misunderstood. He doesn't understand why people are so judgmental of him because of his mental illness. He just wants to have fun and be nice. He just wants to pet bunnies, and I feel you, Lenny. I do, so I want to send my <laughs> wish to you. Uh, I would just like to send a wish to Slim because he has such a huge role on the farm and I just want to send him my best and give him all the encouragement he needs. And last but not least, I would love to send my best, best wishes to Crooks, my homeboy. <laughs> Crooks, because of his, his social standing and his social disability, he isn't allowed to realize his full potential on the farm and he's just hostile to others because others are hostile to him he just wants a sense of belonging on the farm and he has been alone his entire life i just want to wish him the best and speaking of wishes we wish you a men free day Woo! Woo! full of Thank love you. and happiness and no men and no <laughs> men that's the important part